Good morning and welcome back to the Living Every Now podcast. My name is Jake. And my name is Will. And uh, how you doing this morning? I'm great. How are you? I'm fucking fantastic. Um, today we're going to talk about better decision making. And in that, a little nuanced conversation about this thing called the sunk cost fallacy. Okay, where'd you learn about that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I was I don't know. Some somewhere along the lines, we had this conversation at some point. I, I Probably guess. a few years ago. I yeah. think in college. It's been a while, but I wanted to revisit it because okay, I've I've done some uh, internet searching in the last week, and I felt like this was something relevant to bring up because I use this idea a lot. I just don't really think about it. So explain what it is. Let's do that. So. From the Art of Thinking Clearly by Rolf Dobelli. He has this more robust definition, but I'll, I'll have a simpler one to follow. Is that cool? Okay. All right. The sunk cost fallacy is, is most dangerous when we have invested a lot of time, money, energy, or love in something. This investment becomes a reason to carry on, even if, even if we are dealing with the lost cause. The more we invest, the greater the sunk costs are, and the greater the urge to continue becomes. Rational decision-making requires you to forget about the cost incurred today. No matter how much you have already invested, only your assessment of the future cost and benefit counts. Um, and that was via Farnham Street. That was just like uh, Shane summarizing some thoughts from the book. And uh, Seth Godin has a little bit simpler one that's very direct. And it says, if you spent time, effort, energy, oftentimes money on something, it's sunk. You can't get that back. What's left with, with what you're left with is a new decision, and that's how do I proceed from here? Okay, so I feel like this is going over my head a little bit, even though I know what this is. So, can you give an example of when someone would run into the sunk cost fallacy? So, if you're thinking about sunk cost, right? Um, let's think about a lawyer uh, still in law school, but he he finished. He's near the end of law school, and he goes. He has this epiphany. I can't be a lawyer. I don't like. I don't like law. I I hate law. All of a sudden, right after mm-hmm. three years, he, whatever pressures got him to be in this situation, he's been doing this for a long time. He says, "I can't quit because oh well, I spent three years in law school. That's irrelevant because of sunk cost fallacy. That's like he's engaging in the sunk cost fallacy. All the time, effort, money he spent on doing this doesn't make it a good decision moving forward." So that's the point of the sunk cost fallacy. So even though he invested all this time and money, yeah, because he can't get that back, yes, you're only supposed to take into account the future benefit of those actions. Right. He he needs to go based on who I am now and what I know now. Should I be a lawyer tomorrow? Okay. Right. And if that if if there's a better path for him in the future, then the sunk cost, which he's already spent. The point of sunk costs is that the fact that they they don't matter anymore because you can't get that back. It's it's the past. You can't you can't let that dictate your future. Those are already spent. Now he has to make a new decision today about what's happening tomorrow. And and I encourage having that kind of conversation with yourself often to try and figure out if if moving forward in this way is the best way to move forward with your yeah. life. I think it's super dangerous as a trap because people will think that because they've invested time and money into something that they should continue to do that even if it's even if they know it's bad for them right. because they feel invested in it so people will buy a stock and then they think they have all this money in here right. and then once it starts to go down they think like oh I can't just cut ties because I'm going to lose all that money 
but that's right. not actually how it works. Right. It's not emotional. It's not, it's, you don't have investment with people in, in the same way that, or investment in, in, in things in your life in the same way, in the same nature that you're talking about. I wanted to bring up stocks because that's actually the first place I remember applying it was the idea of cutting your losses very quickly. Mm-hmm. And this sunk, the sunk cost fallacy is, it applies the same here, just like you're saying. So if I've invested over the course of years into one stock and all of a sudden it's no longer a good stock for me. It's now the time to make the decision that it's a bad stock for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So it's it it, it it sounds easy too to do, but it's hard. This is a hard thing to do. But if you just make it a law for yourself that this is what I do, this is how I evaluate decisions moving forward, not based off of all the input I've put in before them, but how they show up for me today. That's that's a good way to make decisions. I think you, at least they'll be rationally made. I don't know if they'll be the best. I think there's some nuance when you bring that kind of decision matrix into relationships, for example, because it's it's hard. It's hard to just yeah, like that's drop what I was a gonna relationship. Bring up. This is like a super economic principle, but yeah. it applies to everything. Relationships, if even if you've been married to someone for 50 years, yes, that's kind of a sunk cost. No, it is. But it's a little bit more complicated than that in the real world because like. If you have kids and stuff, exactly, like, it, it doesn't just affect you. So exactly, it's it's not a, a clear mental model in that way. So so yeah. So for that reason, I think sunk costs greatly affect things like how you spend your life, your passions, um, any economic uh, like questions you're having, or any financial decisions you make. Wait. Say that again. They uh, so the sunk cost affects those things. The sunk like the sunk sunk cost mental model. Okay, like, so avoiding sunk avoiding costs, sunk costs helps you in relationships it, and no, finance. No, no, no. So I'm saying like all all these other areas except organic things. So organic things like a relationship with your wife. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit more nuance to that than just saying, "Well, I spent 50 years with you, but now you don't fuck me every night. Now I gotta I gotta get out of here." You know what I mean? So it, it's, yeah, it's a little it's a little bit it's a little bit harder than than just oh well. You don't do the same things you did for me, so I'm going but to But how leave. is that different than a stock not doing the same things it did for you in the past? Like, why is it different? Why are relationships because not ap- applicable here? I, I'm not saying it's not applicable because it's still true. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, it just uh, holds more impact to me because, you, like you're saying, you're affecting more people. Like, what if you have kids? Mm-hmm. What if you, um, you know, you're tied to these families, et cetera? I don't know. So that, that gets to a much deeper question mm-hmm. about... I guess, selfishness in your pursuit of life. Yeah. Like, are you going to do what's best for you all the time or are you going to put the needs of others in front of you? For stocks, obviously, you want to do what's best for you. Exactly. Relationships, it's exactly. muddier. It becomes a little bit more complicated. I think that that's a good uh, spectrum, a threshold okay. to decide when you use this mental model or not. But you're very safe to use this mental model in, in business, for example, or in stocks or in your economic endeavors. Do you have any examples of a situation where you should never use this mental model? I can't think of one. I didn't think mm-hmm. that far. Okay. To be completely yeah, I fair. can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of one either. But did we talk about my whole like weed pact on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so, that was two episodes ago. Okay, cool. So with that example, if I decided tomorrow based off of this principle – if I decided tomorrow that not smoking weed or smoking weed was more beneficial for me than not smoking weed, I should smoke weed based off of this mental model. And so I just wanted to like 
paint that picture with an example we used prior that, you know, just for preface, if you haven't heard any other episodes, I just signed this pact to not smoke weed until I make a million dollars, right? It's whatever you think of that, it doesn't matter. The fact that I need to evaluate that decision based off tomorrow instead of, you know, I don't know how long ago I signed that. The five years I've invested into not smoking weed or six years or seven years I've invested into not smoking weed, they don't matter because the decision comes down to how does, how does this affect me tomorrow? And, and I think that an example like that is a good example um, mm-hmm. to apply in a situation that's not finances, for example. So I'm going to push back a little bit on that, but I think you're right in general. Okay. But I'm going to push back because you don't want to have to be constantly mentally burdened by evaluating your decisions every single day. Like, is this decision right for me today? Mm-hmm. There's definitely value in making a decision and sticking, and to, sticking it some, to that sometimes. just for a, a set period of time, just so that you don't have to think about that decision. Like you made the decision, you're not going to smoke weed. Yeah. And then that's just like part of who you are now. You don't yeah. have to, you know, go through the the mental decision process every time right. you're around weed. Like, am I going to smoke this? Cause that's, that's a mental burden. You have to make that decision right. and there's value in, not having to make decisions because past you already made that decision. No, totally. And we've been harping on this for a while. I think mm-hmm. that's a big theme of what the tools we kind of talk about and mental models of all sorts are about that, right? Like reducing this, this mental uh, load, for mm-hmm. example. Um, do you think that that's a good premise to kind of rule the sunk cost fallacy with is just like, if you're going to commit to something new, set it, set a proper amount of time before you reevaluate or something like that, or let a certain event trigger uh, a new reevaluation of your, like whether this is sunk or not, or whether this is the best decision for you. I think that that's kind of fair. Like if you're going to commit to something new and you've never done it before, but you know, say I'm going to commit to law school for a year and see if this is for me. And after a year, if it doesn't matter if I've invested a year, it's no longer the best decision for me. Maybe that's the best way to approach that endeavor. So my mental process for deciding whether I should continue to do something. I think we might've mentioned this on the podcast before. Okay. But I look at how long I've been doing something. And if I can't see myself doing it in the future for that same length of time, then I stop doing it. So okay, if you've been in law school for a year uh-huh. and you can't see yourself being in law school for another whole year, then you should stop doing it. If you've been in a relationship for two years and you can't see yourself being in that relationship for another two years, you should get out now instead right. of in six months when things actually get bad. So I like that. I think that's a good way to approach that situation. Um, have you have you ever had to make this decision with a sunk cost? I mean, definitely with relationships. You, it's it's always hard to know when to, to get yeah. out of them. Yeah. But we, we, I mean, my relationships didn't have kids or anything, so it was very... You're self-centered in that in that respect. I was just making the decision that was best for me at the time. Right. Um, with with stocks and money and stuff, all the time. Right. Yeah. Totally. And and I guess every everything you put time into, you have to weigh the sunk cost because right. it's you have to decide whether you actually care about pursuing this pursuit. Right. What right. You? Right. Well, interestingly, um, I'm just going to kind of transition. Seth Godin. Uh, takes this idea and he he talks about best in the world. He says that best in the world have a disproportionate advantage than even second or third place. 
he talks about like ranking on Google and how, you know, the number one thing is always clicked on way more. Right. So kind of like the the rich get richer. Right. And and being the best in the world takes a certain amount of focus, right? So he says to be the best in the world, you have to get really good at one thing or less than a handful of things. And the only way to do that is cut the fat of your life, like like evaluating yeah. where you're spending your time and and you know, if there's sunk costs in a lot of different areas, that's okay because you need to focus. So he he brought the sunk cost fallacy into a realm that I wasn't really expecting. I thought that was kind of interesting. So wait. Say that again. He said you should accept some sunk costs because well, by doing that, it makes you the best in the world. No, no. He's saying he's saying like uh, you're you're gonna have sunk costs in a lot of different areas if you're if you're gonna be the best in the world at something. Can you give me an example of that? So I think what he was referring to was just getting several different areas, like being okay. with the fact that you tried this and you tried this and you tried this for however long, but you got to this one thing that was really resounding with you. And that's the thing that you're going to be best in the world at, best at the world at, and that you'd have to be okay with cutting off those other things to be the best in the world at this one thing. Okay. So you're, you're not accepting like sunk costs. You're not sticking with your sunk costs. You're saying cut them. Yeah. Okay. Cutting off things. Okay. Yeah. So his, the key takeaway from that for me was we can make better decisions by ignoring some cost, I think is how you say that. It's it's the language is playing with me about accepting or ignoring some cost. Okay. But what I mean is cutting them. Cutting at, ties at, with the things. Exactly. That sunk. Yeah. And this idea is principle, not letting your past get in the way of your future. Okay. There's a concept from the book Good to Great, which is a really popular business book called The Hedgehog Concept, which is yeah. every business should be the best in the world at one specific thing. And that kind of relates back to this. If you are no longer able to be the best in the world at the thing you used to be the best in the world at, you have to be able to shift and adapt. And companies like, um, I think Kodak uh-huh. is, is the camera company. They started out as a paper company, I'm pretty sure. Interesting. And then they kind of got pushed out of the paper market. So they they adapted and then became the best in the world at lenses or something. And, and the story is kind of interesting, but it, it all goes back to the sunk cost is as soon as you realize that what you're doing right now isn't actually what you can be successful in or what you want to be doing, right. you, you have to be able to detach your identity from that activity and change into a new aspect of your life. Totally, totally. Like I hear this about Jeff Bezos all the time is he's constantly just doing new projects, doing new projects, doing new projects. And like the Fire Phone, for example, was a yeah. huge failure. Amazon fails at like 90% of their like mini internal startups. Yeah, and, and that, it, that's their power is because they just have the bank to be able to yeah, fund whatever. Yeah, and then he's like, okay, that didn't work. Next one. So yeah. he's just cutting, cutting, cutting all the time. So he really employs this. He's ruthless with his sunk yeah, costs. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's easy to be ruthless with sunk costs when you got $150 billion. No, seriously. But... it's easy to be detached because money doesn't mean anything at that point yeah that's true that's true but this this uh decision matrix has helped me a couple times in my life and i just wanted to kind of re-bring it back up because i felt like it's an important part of getting to making more decisions more clearly and and being a more rational thinker in a lot of ways especially when we are faced with harder decisions um 
like when when our emotions get mm-hmm. involved, I feel like they become harder decisions, like a stock that you invested yeah. a long time in. I feel like that's a relatively hard decision if you're playing the, an emotional game. It's easy for the, the emotions to let see, seep in there. But if you have a mental model like this, it's, it becomes much easier to just be like, oh, yeah, that's not good for me. Like, done. I guess that's the point of mental models is to give you like a word to hook onto an idea. Right. And then as soon as you realize you're doing that, then you can see it everywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you have any examples of sunk costs in your own life? Um, I would just say like it doesn't matter how long. I uh I don't know. I'm thinking I'm thinking into my life. I'm not sure. I feel like I use this all the time, but I can't remember yeah. an example right now. So one example I know that you have used is you used to want to be a professional baseball player. Oh, right. And you sunk, you know what, hours and hours and thousands of hours of your life into becoming a great baseball player. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah. I sunk, actually. Yeah, at a certain point in high school, I made the decision that um, I couldn't see myself lasting much longer with my body. I thought, you know, my arm, I was out my whole junior season with my arm hurting and my hips were hurting. I had to do physical therapy all the time. And I was just like, this isn't the way for me to make the most impact in the world. And I quickly pivoted to something new and started com- basically completely over on my pursuit of making an impact in the world in a field that I felt I was more gifted in and had more legs to reach more people in. So the the decision matrix was, it's a hard cut. Like I, I don't play baseball at all anymore. Like mm-hmm. I don't go into these softball leagues and like do that stuff. I don't like, I don't like flirt w- with myself with the idea of I play ball. I hung up the cleats. I was like, no. Now I do music. <laughs> so a weird caveat here is I don't think you would regret your time playing baseball and that still benefited you. So it's not completely a sunk cost because you're probably a better person. That's true. For going to practice for 14 years. Oh yeah. I don't think, I don't think when you cut sunk costs that it, those things are negative to you ever. Honestly, I think well, it's all experience. For, for certain things like stocks, like if, oh, if, that. You, if you cut your stocks, like you're That's not, true. you didn't get any benefit. You might've gotten some profit there or whatever, right, but yeah. oftentimes when you're using this mental model, it's like when things have gone wrong. Yeah. I guess, I guess when you're thinking about from an economic, economic perspective, mm-hmm. what I was, what I was coming from was the more organic perspective of mm-hmm. life. And if you're gaining experience from something and you finally realize that, you know, there's these, these experiences are sunk that it, I think there's benefit in cutting and, you know, having those experiences nonetheless yeah my big thing for like the last year has been trying to experience as many different kinds of experiences as possible Mm. with the (laughs) with the uh, intention of knowing that those are sunk costs so like i go into an experience knowing that it's just for the experience and i'm not trying to get anything out of it other than the experience so interesting i guess looking at situations before entering them, knowing that they're going to be sunk cost, but just trying to get like what you got out of baseball, but in a much more constrained way. That's super interesting. Do you, do you have like a example that you feel comfortable sharing? <laughs> um, <laughs> none that are probably legal. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that that last part is the important part of that question. <laughs> no, like just, just not being afraid to like, I don't know, fly to Florida and like go hang out with my friends just to, just, just to have the experience. Even though before I did that, I knew that like my productivity was going to take a hit. Right. And like, it was 
it wasn't going to benefit me, but I just wanted the experience. Yeah, I think that's an important mindset to have. I don't know if you should be full bore with that mindset, but mm-hmm. having having some sort of um, initiator of balance in your life. If we're if we're living a life of modesty and constantly in systems, breaking that is also advantageous. Um, getting getting out of your system, getting out of your comfort zone, going to do something fun for the for the purpose of experiencing, I think is an important part of living a balanced life. And I I, I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's good to throw yeah. off the throw off the scales sometimes. Fuck shit up a little bit. Hmm. But yeah, that's that's all I really had on sunk cost. I think it's I think it's pretty simple. I think people will get it. Yeah, it's a great mental model. Yeah. Um, where can they find us? We are on Twitter and Instagram at Living Every Now. Our website is livingevernow.com. There's a link to our Discord in the show notes below. Yeah. And if you enjoy this episode, share it with a friend, lover, sister, brother, etc. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. Thanks Appreciate for listening. Bye, guys. Peace. <laughs>